Welcome to another episode of The Rabbi and the Shrink. This is Dr. Margarita Gurry, your shrink, and my favorite rabbi. Honestly, also. The two of us thought we'd put our heads together and talk about anger. Many of the guests we've had on our podcast address issues related to anger and our reaction to it. So let's talk about it. So Rabbi, let's start with you. Why is anger such a big deal in the world of ethics? What's it got to do with it? Anything anyway? Well, of course, my reference point is always uh, my tradition. And the sages make a very interesting observation. They say that anger is like idolatry. Because why do we get upset? Things are not the way we think they should be. So if we believe in a higher power, then that means either the higher power isn't in control, the higher power doesn't know what he's doing, or the higher power is um, off duty, or doesn't, isn't there at all. So even if we are not coming from a spiritual perspective, there is a sense that the world was not created to accommodate my immediate desires. How rude. Yes, isn't it? It is. How inconvenient. <laughs> Why doesn't the world just get its act together? Someone said a zealot is somebody who's doing what God would want him to do if God understood what was really going on. <laughs> That's very funny. Well, it is, but it tells us so much about ourselves because the moment life does not conform to our wishes and our desires, we get frustrated, we get resentful, we get bitter, we get angry. And ethics means that we recognize that we have a responsibility to the world, not that the world has a responsibility to us. Is there a psychology behind that that you can share with us? Yeah, so let's talk about anger. First off, what is anger? When I was reading, um, you recommended a book to me when I asked you about it by Rabbi Avraham Yaknis. Am I saying his name right? Sounds right. All right. And the book is Orkos Sadikim. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, not actually, this... he's not actually the author of the work. He is the presenter. Oh, he's the presenter of the stuff. Uh, and uh, it's uh, a treasure uh, for uh, life. Ancient work that provides an anonymous author, author. Yeah. All right. So he speaks about what the sages have said. And, and one of the things he says is that angle, anger is an evil trait. Well, that's a philosophy that many people have, that it's a disease of the soul. So let's talk about what anger is and what it isn't. So anger is a feeling that doesn't hurt anybody, or does it? So that's the first thing. What is anger? If anger doesn't become a behavior, is it still problematic? And where does anger come from? Well, we know that that's actually a complicated question because anger comes from some brain states. So if we have too much adrenaline, if we have a hormone um, hot wash that, that flows over us, we can get angry. If we have uh, too much epinephrine, if we're not sleeping well, if we have some brain injuries, suddenly then anger is called to the party. Dun, 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 anger, please come forth. So what is anger and is it always under our control? So I'm gonna say for the sake of ethics and your view on accountability, let's assume that from whatever source the anger comes from, 
there are two parts of anger we need to address versus versus the experience of it. What do we do with the feeling, whether we're aware of it or not? And the second is, what do we do with the behavior? So I'm going to pose that both can be harmful. Feelings and thoughts can be just as harmful as behavior. But I don't think they're evil. So I know that uh, you sages, and I'm going to include you as a modern day sage, you sages love to do, to make dramatic statements that anger is an evil trait. Well, maybe it's not an evil trait just by itself. Maybe it can be, but maybe anger is an invitation. So I think anger is the gift that keeps on giving. From whatever source, it invites us to look at ourselves, to maybe ask for guidance and support from ourselves or from God or Hashem. Um, and also, I think it's um, it educates us about how we're doing. So we're really angry. It's an opportunity not just to put ourselves down, but to take a moment. We also know that the brain, we, you know, um, there's the amygdala and hypothalamus, different parts of the brain that get energized with different memories, experiences, and whatever. And part of that is we know that it takes time sometimes to calm down. So whether it's something in the amygdala where you have to scratch, which is the emotional center where you're not being logical, whatever it is, we know that it's not like a helicopter. You zoom in and zoom out and get out of anger. It's more like a jumbo jet. It takes time to get there sometimes and certainly time to, to, to land from it. So what are your thoughts about the practical aspects of, uh, of anger? Well, the, the book that you cited is, um, and the reason I referred you to it, is one of my favorite works on character development. I love it, yes. Is what he says in the introduction there is that there are no good or bad character traits. Yes. Traits are, character traits are tools. I agree with that. And if we think of, of anger, or let's say perhaps the predisposition, predisposition towards anger as a trait rather than a state of being, then it does have its uses. There are times when it is proper to feel outrage. Uh, I just um, saw on, online today, uh, uh, podcaster Mark Metry posted a, a report that was issued by some, I don't know, board, government, uh, something or other, listing the foods that were the best to eat, the most healthy to eat, and the third one on the list was something like uh, frosted mini wheats or <laughs> one of those cereals that you don't want your kids to. I love them. They're terrible, but they're so wonderful. <laughs> and and he, he was outraged, and I think rightly so, that here is some official board giving their sanction to food that anyone can figure out is not good for you. It, it's, a, it's a perversion of medicine, of science, of research, and, and it's largely irresponsible. And when we see irresponsible behavior that endangers others, we should get mad. We should be upset. Well, and that's yeah. the brain being called to action for the sake right. of survival and safety. Yeah, and then the question is, what do we do with it? If we can channel it in a productive way, then in a sense, we're metabolizing that anger and we are using it to motivate us to come up with an approach that's not going to be destructive, but is going to be productive and constructive. If we don't find an outlet, 
that's when it gets dangerous and unhealthy. So I'm glad you said if we can channel it, because unless you have a serious brain injury that's permanent, it might interfere with your regulation of those emotions um, and inhibition of certain responses to emotions and stimuli. We can indeed learn how to channel and leverage the power of anger, which is why I think it's the gift that kids like giving. It can be very motivating to be angry. And you were talking about then a righteous anger. The problem is it's much of our anger is ego involved. I'll never forget one of my first weeks as an adult driving in Miami. I grew up in Miami area and I'm driving along and I'm going speed limit because, you know, I'm a kid, right? Just got my license, 16 years old and 9,000 lane highway. I'm just exaggerating a bit, but it's a little overwhelming. And I'm going da, 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 da. And so the people behind me are beeping their horns, giving me the Miami salute, you know, that special finger. And I'm, I'm later on so mad and my instincts is a slam on my brakes or give it back to them or whatever. And then I started to laugh at myself. I'm thinking about my favorite nun, um, Sister Rita Baum, who said, Margarita, why are you so important that somehow it is your fault just because someone says it is? And I had to laugh that, you know, you do what you think is best and let them solve their own problems. And I, I'll never forget that that I was mad because they should behave better. And why are they treating me so unfairly? It had nothing to do with that. It was their problem, not mine. I'm going to go ahead and keep doing my thing. But we do get so mad when someone's mad at us, which is kind of funny. Well, there's an interesting angle here that, that I know I suffer from. And, and uh, maybe I could get on the couch and you could help me with this problem. Um, <laughs> I'm on board of the, the red big red couch. <laughs> You know, when, when we hold our stance, as ethical people, we should try to hold our stance. Well, we should hold ourselves to, to higher standards and aspire to continuously move that bar upward, which doesn't mean we're going to get it right all the time, but it means we're We aspiring. can't get it right all the time. Of course not, but we're aspiring to that. And when we see people around us who don't appear to be setting the bar anywhere near <laughs> what to us seems reasonable, I mean, I take it personally. Why am I trying to so hard to be a better person when people around me have no interest in it at all? That is making, that's an assault on me and my value of self-improvement. And I take it personally. Now, of course, it's silly. I know that. <laughs> the distance from the head to the heart is, is the longest distance in the world. <laughs> And to the brain, sometimes well, we don't exactly. that brain, right? right? But so, you know, you, what, what you just said is we all need our, was it Sister Rita? Um, we all need our Sister Rita around <laughs> to remind us the world doesn't revolve around me. Yeah, I know she saved my life on more than one occasion. I, you know, I came as a refugee and English was new and um, I, I would have big reactions to things at times. And my, you know, I would just feel so sad about why are people uh, doing what they're doing. And, and she told me once the following as well, that she said, what she sometimes recommends we do is thank you for thinking this is all my fault. Yes, I am indeed powerful. Um, it is all my fault because I have all the power in the world. And not to say it sarcastically, but say it kind of you know, in a gracious way. And, and I, I invite you to blame me for this, you know, that kind of stuff. And 
the way she would do it, it would cancel out and you feel like a fool, but without being made fun of. And you'd go, yeah, I, I missed the boat on that. So, I mean, we do take it so personally. So then is anger always bad? No. And yet it's confusing the way people talk about even this book that you recommended, which I'm loving. I'm grateful for the recommendation. Anger is an evil trait. I mean, it's such a provocative statement. Um, and I don't think it's an evil trait. I think giving into it is. I think taking responsibility for nothing is. Um, not letting people be human, you know, expecting them to be perfect, or the rudeness of them not agreeing with us all the time. I mean, how rude. Especially when we're right. Uh, and we're always right. And I, you know, one of the things that I love about, about talking with you is that you and I often disagree. And I like the way we disagree. I say, okay, why did you get your wrong opinion? And, you know, we don't say it that way because we're mature and polite with each other, but it's in there. So help me understand your opinion. I'll understand mine. And, and it always informs my thinking and my behavior. I mean, disagreeing. Well, that's, the, that's the key to wisdom is to try to yeah. understand why does somebody disagree with me? Right. And do listening to understand is just such a hard thing to do. Yeah. And then maybe, you know, maybe we can... We can see how what we really have are two different angles on the truth and that we don't really have to disagree. We just we're just coming out from different directions. But to go to your point on, on anger being an evil trait, now Maimonides says that the most evil of all character traits is arrogance. And he says that in general, one should go to go to one extreme, go to the other extreme and find a balancing point in between. But he says when it comes to arrogance, he says there, there is no positive aspect of well, arrogance. And I, think I agree that, I because think that, I think arrogance is the death of compassion. Oh, okay. But to finish the thought, that I think that our anger is often an expression. You've said this when you said ego, right? What is ego? What is arrogance, right? <laughs> that, that sense of self-importance, that sense of superiority. And my anger is an expression that my feelings of self-importance are coming in conflict with the reality that I'm not really as important as I think I am. And in that sense, it is a manifestation of the most evil of traits, as Maimonides would put it. Well, I would agree with Maimonides. I think that makes a lot a of good, sense. It's a good default to agree with Maimonides. Uh... Yeah. I used to consult with a school called Maimonides, so I, I know about that wise man. Yeah. Um, this good Catholic girls learning a thing or two along the way. So the issue of anger, many people believe that it is wise and righteous to have a feeling and then be honest, authentic, and express it. Well, my dad, who was a Freudian shrink and a funny guy, would say it is authentic to pick your nose at the table and eat it, but it's not polite and it, and it achieves nothing. And so he, he used to he, he would make funny things that were child friendly. And so I think that sometimes being our authentic self is not the goal. <laughs> I think it's better instead to seek civility seek compassion, seek to listen, to understand, which is one of the things you and I have been working on quite a bit with our podcast is to encourage civility and um, discourse uh, with the purpose of understanding. Yeah, and I, and think I think you could say that um, civility is the filter through which we allow our authentic selves 
to oh, I like that. Did you make that with, up? I just came up with that. You would oh, well, say that again. I'm going to type that up. Civility is well, it's on the recording. I don't know. Even if I forget it, but forgot it already. <laughs> civility well, we'll at, yeah. is the filter through which we allow our authentic selves to engage the world. Uh, you reminded me of that when I was in seminary, there was a, a fellow there from New York. And uh, I said to him, I said, you know what I like about you? You say everything I think. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes when you know it's better not to say something and the person next to you <laughs> just lets it out and you feel, oh, that was, I'm so glad somebody said that. But the truth is we, we really do have to, uh, to watch ourselves and, um, and not saying, uh, being, being authentic doesn't mean you say everything you think. Absolutely. And as my father would say to me, Margarita, it would have been better to study the fuzz on your knee. Um, and we know that all of the, the books on brain science and managing our temper and experiences of conflict with others say that sometimes we need 15, 20, 30, however many minutes for the hot wash of hormones that are fight, flight, um, uh, trigger uh, is inviting us to, to go and save the world when we don't always know in our brains what's the difference between a real threat and a virtual threat, a threat of the feeling of the heart. So what I always tell everyone is to repeat after me, I'm wonderful. And then it's always fun to have the audience say, I'm wonderful. And then I say, I'm awful. And they say, I'm awful. And now I say, get over it. They're both true. And that speaks to the heart of your, your whole thing about arrogance. Uh, we are all wonderful. We are all awful. And even like Will Smith, who I love at the, um, was it at the Oscars, forgot that lesson. He got into being self-important. And the Stoics would have said to him that he forgot that there's no difference between a good experience and a bad experience. Good, good luck and bad luck is just all something that happens. Amor fati, love your fate. And make the most of what is happening. He took himself too seriously and he took over the Oscars with his big bad temper, which we all have big bad tempers. So we can't blame him for having a temper. And yet we cannot be proud of the choice he made. If we were there, we would have not been proud of the choice we made to disrupt something not only once, but three times he disrupted it. So none of us are important enough to let our temper. Uh, be the star of the show. Yeah, and uh, I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up, that um, you know, we we may feel anger. The question is, what do we do next? And sometimes that means we recognize we have to extricate ourselves from a situation because I'm not going to be able to monitor myself properly right now. But the larger the larger approach is to adopt a worldview where we recognize that the world is not here to accommodate us. Much better to think of ourselves as here to find our way of fitting into the world. And to wrap ourselves around with the goodness. Remember gratitude, have good people in your life, focus on goodness. Um, don't spend too much time um, watching the news and reading up on injustices and bad things, I think that we can, we can load our brain and our feelings with goodness. And I think that's one of the solutions. 
And when in doubt, as my mother, we say, hey, you're taking yourself too seriously. Go, go do a good deed for someone else. All right, okay, mama, I will do a good deed. So needless to say, we used to polish our neighbor's shoes and sweep their porches, <laughs> porches and all of that because we had many opportunities to uh, try and go beyond our anger and tempers and ill-chosen actions and words. So, you know, you, you put me in mind of a story. I know you love my stories. I do um, love your stories. <laughs> and it's not mine. It's it's a story from Judaism. It's in the Talmud. And uh, I think recently we made re reference to Rabbi Akiva. Yes. Uh, so this is another story about Rabbi Akiva. He was traveling and he came to a town and he asked for a place for the night. And they told him, sorry, we can't accommodate you. We have no place for you. And uh, you can't, you can't loiter. You can't stay in the town. You got to go. So he went off on the road and he looked around and he found a clearing um, in the woods and he settled down for the night and he said uh, he said a phrase that he often said he said uh, everything the almighty does he does for the best and he settled down for the night and then he had his his uh, his donkey and uh, he had a he had a, a rooster that was a that was the alarm clock of olden time <laughs> um, and he had a lantern and he settled down for the night and suddenly there was a noise and a wildcat came out of the woods and, and attacked the donkey and killed it. And while he was distracted by that, a weasel came out of the woods and killed the rooster. Aww. And as he's taking stock of that, the wind kicked up and blew out the lantern. <laughs> so there he is now in the dock um, in the woods by himself. And he says, everything the Almighty does, he does for the best. Well, during the night, he heard some horrible sounds. Couldn't make a, it sounded like violence was going on. And in the morning, he discovered that the town had been attacked by marauders. And that the town had been burned down and everybody there had either been killed or taken, taken hostage. And had he been staying in the town, which he wanted, he would have been, he would have been a victim too. And had he kept his, had his donkey been around, the donkey could have brayed and given him away. The chicken uh, could have crowed and given him away. The lantern would have shone light and they would have found him in the woods. So he says, it's as I said, everything the Almighty does, he does for the best. All of the things that happened that he thought were terrible turned out to save him from a terrible fate. And that when we get angry, we talked about feeling foolish. Often, the times we feel most foolish is when we see sooner or later that what happened was actually what was best for us. We just didn't realize it at the time. That is so true. Whether someone has to move their house because of a flood, which happens to a lot of people, or um, they get fired from a job or whatever. I mean, I think that's the amor fati, you know, love the fate and ask, you know, ask what do, what is it? You know, again, back to Sister Rita Baum, um, what is God trying to teach you and what is he asking you to teach others or to learn enough to teach others? So, so that's good. Well, I think we talked about uh, the overview of, of anger, and that's all we have to say about that for now. Excellent. Thank, thank you. you we'll see you on a, another. Thank you, Rabbi. We'll see you on another episode of The Rabbi and the Shrink. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.